It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Monday, the 21st of February, and as always, I am joined by my good friend Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Paul. Good afternoon. Uh, Great to be talking with you today. Looking forward to our podcast. We've got uh, an exciting time of the year with conference tournaments coming and basketball, so lots going on. There is a lot going on, and before you know it, it'll be spring break and millions of incredibly pale people will invade the Tampa Bay area. and uh, But these next few weeks, we are blessed with 80-degree days and tourist-free beaches and bars in the Bay Area, so it's a glorious time to be alive. So today, we're going to talk about intellectual property rights, and that impacts sponsors and properties in today's shifting landscape a lot. So joining us, our special guest is Caleb Swan. He is the general manager of Seminole Sports Properties. And before FSU, he was selling at Georgia Tech, at Auburn, and even in the NBA, So Caleb has worked for enough properties to give us a great feel for how IP integrates into a portfolio. Welcome, Mr. Swan. Paul, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and chat a little bit with you and Brandon today about uh, about intellectual property, everybody's favorite topic in our in our world right now. It is. It's it's something. I mean, it's a. I think you said it. It's kind of a moving target from property to property and from category to category. I'm not sure there's anything that's more moving than IP when you talk about those things. So. Any school that tells you there is only one number that gets you the full rights to marks and logos is probably lying. So just walk away from that deal. Uh, case, <laughs> case in point, if the official bank of the Tar Heels is the same number as the official avocado of the Tar Heels, they're probably not telling you the truth. So all you avocado people out there call Knox Sports will help you with that next deal. Caleb, talk about a little bit about the challenges of signing a number in different markets to a category. Yeah. So, you know, that's a great question. And it, it really does depend a lot on the market and, and where you're at. So um, competition is king, right? I mean, a lot of things that we look at, we see different categories have different levels of competition, depending on where you're at. You know, if you're in Tallahassee, Florida, you may have, you know, a handful of healthcare organizations you work with. If you are in Atlanta, Georgia, that handful turns into a couple of handfuls. So, um, you know, competition, I think, is really what drives a lot of that, uh, because at the end of the day, um, you know, and as Brandon can attest to and Paul, you can attest to as well. You know, I mean, trying to find that right fit for the right brand that's going to take IP. That's that's the next level of taking a partner um, to that next step to really connect with our fan base. Caleb, I totally agree. Uh, and, and I'll say this um, sort of taking a step back. Intellectual property is the most valuable asset that any of us have in any of the properties that we represent. Uh, it is the one typically iconic trademark logo that we all hold near and dear to our heart. And, uh, you know, there is a process um, through, the, through the discussions we have with potential partners on, on, on how we go to market with, with our marks and with our intellectual property and to what extent that it can be used. Um, but given, given it is the most valuable asset that we have, um, I, think, I think we all certainly um, in, in the current times of sports marketing and collegiate sports marketing, we have to do our due diligence on, on how we go to market, how we attack categories, uh, what spin levels and competition levels uh, dictate within certain categories. 
it is a it is a thoughtful process, and it's so different now than when it was, you know, 22 years ago when I started my career. Sponsorship just looks so incredibly different now, uh, and and really that value of that IP is at the top of that chart, top of that list, and it is what most sponsors are after, which is that direct association uh, with our respective schools and properties and being able to tap in the, to the passion and energy that is our intellectual property. So it's, it's a conversation that we probably could go on for hours about today in our, our podcast, but uh, I think it's, it, it's one that deserves the time that we invest in how we strategically go to market uh, and find that balance of, uh, of, of having partners that have access to our marks, but, but not oversaturating the market uh, and then in essence, devaluing part. So it's uh this is a great conversation for today. So Caleb, you, you came, you've come to a couple of different situations. When you came to Tallahassee, I think we'll, we'll, we'll stay there because that's where you are now. And, and when you come into a new place, how do you reestablish a baseline for IP when you come to a new property, especially, and I'm not saying this is the case, but it may have been the case when your prior stops, or maybe it's the case in Tallahassee, when you feel like the prior administration maybe was given away the store, or on the flip side, it, it was too hard to get it. So how do you reestablish a baseline when you come to a new property when you're in a new place, right? The categories are different, just as you just said. Yeah. And, and so how do you do that? So what is the long-term goal? Just kind of bring them on the boat and let them sail away later? I mean, how do you do that? <laughs> uh, it's, it, you're getting right into the wheelhouse there, Paul. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm nine months into this the new position down here at Florida State. And you know, I think the first thing that, that I had to do and we had to do as our team was really to kind of look at the marketplace right now, look at the partnerships that we had in place. Um, people that have been with us, you know, we, we have people that have been with us for decades. Uh, we have people that have been with us for a year or two. Um, you know, I think really trying to analyze what the market looked like once we got here was very important um, to understand who had IP, who was leveraging IP is another great question. I think Brandon kind of brought this up to a, a minute ago is there are a lot of people um, that, that may not be leveraging it to the best of their abilities, um, how they're leveraging it, how they're using it, different ways that we can tier it, um, different marks that we can use to tier it. Because as I think another thing to talk about is with IP is IP means a lot of things. IP can mean obviously the, the seminal head that everybody knows and recognizes or that power T uh, up in uh, that uh, orange school up a little bit further north in the SEC in Knoxville. Um, but it can also be garnet and gold. It can be, it, it's go Knowles. It's, it's any type of association with what we do uh, day in and day out and how we connect with our fans, because it's our job to connect the brands with fans and, and to connect to those passion points. And, and IP can be done a lot of different ways. And so I think Brandon's point earlier about really trying to dig in to where the value proposition is for Florida State and the connection with our brand um, to then assess it um, with the partners that we have in place and figure out our best, you know, market, you know, move to market strategy um, going forward. So you guys are both tiptoeing because you're both afraid to say real numbers. So we're going to get to that sooner or later. Um, I, I'm going to, Brandon, <laughs> you're going to, one of the, so I'm going to ask, this is one of the things that bothers me about the last couple of years. And I know you guys, you're both with the same company. And so you're probably not going to answer this question either, but I'm going to ask it anyway. There has been a very subtle shift in, in how I, as a buyer, uh, am being approached by schools with regards to IP. 
Uh, and I'll give you a, a specific example. When you talk about used to be, there was a level, you guys talked about it. Uh, let's say the category uh, is hospital and there is a level out there. And you guys felt like internally, this is the number. And so you bought inventory to get to that number. And if you hit that number, you were allowed to have IP. That was the way we've done it for 20 plus years. What has subtly changed from the, in the MMR industry is that the MMR rights, the folks above you up in, you know, in your case in Plano are saying, hey, we want to have a number also associated with IP, and that is going to be a inventory item worth X amount of money. As a sponsor and as a buyer for sponsors, that is kind of an egregious piece. I, I, I can't hate that enough because we've always felt, dealt with one set of rules and it feels like the rules are changing. So I'm going to start with you, Brandon. Are you experiencing that at all? And have you had a client, maybe especially in a renewal process, struggle with that? Of course, Paul, you called on me first. Caleb, you're off the hook here uh, <laughs> to start this topic. Um, and I, Paul, you're exactly right in the way you addressed it. And historically, we, we have built assets to re reach a certain threshold where we were then able to turn on IP. Uh, and I'll tell you, at, at, from the Tennessee perspective, uh, we've got a rate card value that if you want to access the primary mark of the University of Tennessee, then, then typically that's going to require a minimum six-figure spend on an annual basis. Um, and, and that has that, been Does that include decimal points? You can, uh, no, it does not include decimal points. Okay, just clarifying. Go um, ahead, please and, go. And we, can, we can jump in and negotiate whenever you're ready. Uh, no, but um, typically it's been a minimum six-figure spend to, to gain access to our primary marks. Now, what has changed over the most recent years for us is, is we have a number of what I would classify as secondary marks. So if you're having a partnership discussion with someone that can't get to that six-figure investment level, um, but but it's an investment level that you feel like is worthy of having some marks usages, then, then we'll tap into our secondary uh, marks uh, and utilize those and, and allow companies to use those. And I, I think that's important. I think it's incredibly important because we're all doing business with local, regional, or national companies. And in a lot of instances, our local companies simply don't have the marketing budget or the overall investment power to, to, to be able to dedicate a six-figure uh, investment into one sponsorship. So we, we felt like for certainly the last five to seven years that we needed to have something that we could offer to our local market. And that secondary marks is what we've been able, what we've been able to tap into. Um, you know, relative to the question of charging the premium, let's call it rate card value, uh, for a mark on top of a sponsorship, I think you're, you and I have negotiated for a number of years on a number of deals. And, and certainly that is a topic of conversation. I think it's really tough with current partners who have spent money with you for an extended period of time. I think it's a difficult conversation to have to ask them to then spend incrementally uh, to, to, to still access the same asset they've been accessing for years. Um, it's a fair answer, Brandon. but I appreciate that. Um, it is well, and you know what, in, in reality, in sponsorship sales, sometimes we have to apply the common sense, um, part of the discussion to any negotiation and, and what's best for both sides. And, and oftentimes that common sense is not going to, uh, it's not going to steer you wrong. Um, but, but, I, 
you know, going forward on a go forward basis, we analyze our thresholds every year. Um, and we analyze categories every year and try to come up with what fair market value is within categories to have access to our rights. And I'll take it even a step further than that. It's not necessarily an all or nothing conversation. And what I mean by that is we may grant rights in one sponsorship that is only for the football season within a certain geographic area of, of business within our market. Uh, or we may offer a year-long usage of our primary mark uh, across all media platforms. So we, we have become, I would say scientific is not the right word, but we, we have become uh, more intentional about what the mark's usage is and to what extent that it's going to be used and to what frequency level that it's going to be used, which is, uh, which is where a lot of our time and energy has been spent recently. Um, again, back to the trying not to oversaturate the market with, with our, our marks and logos. That's why Caleb was very proud to announce just a week or so ago that he has a new Florida State official electric car during basketball season in the uh, import category only. Um, it was a very specific deal um, that he shut down uh, other people around it. So Caleb, it, it, you, I'll let you answer the question a little bit uh, in terms of uh, that point. You know, it's a renewal. I think, I think where I was headed is it's really hard. It's really damn hard in a renewal to get someone to say, hey, this is the incremental number for IP. But in a new deal, you're going to try to, is that the, the, the kind of the word you're hearing from above is you'd like that to be an incremental, uh, incremental number that's a line item? So, you know, I want to, I do want to jump in and, and kind of piggyback off of Brandon's comments a little bit about IP and about the line item piece. And, you know, I, I think Brandon, especially your experience at Tennessee and your longevity there with, with partners and the years and years of relationships that you've been able to build. Um, you know, I think that how those groups, uh, you know, and I, you know, over a decade in this, how these, how these groups advertised and leveraged our IP you know, even just five years ago is so different than how they leverage it now. Um, with the increased uh, attention being given to the digital space, you know, used to use IP was expensive. I mean, you had to go and reprint everything. You had to paint murals on walls. You had to, you know, buy new shirts, buy polos, whatever it is. Now you can just take that mark, put it by yours and blast it all over social media. And so, yep. you know, there's a much cheaper barrier to entry for our partners to be able to leverage the IP. So I think that's where Great some point. of the thought process comes from, um, especially when you're talking about a company that Learfield is, you know, 150 schools across the country, um, how we're trying to look at this and, and position with some of our national brands um, to make sure that our schools and our, our partners, uh, which, you know, the universities are huge partners of ours, make sure that they're getting the value for their marks that they deserve. Um, which just we're just in a different ballgame, you know. We're in a different ballgame in that digital space. That's a good point. Yeah, and, I, and, and Paul, Paul, I think we're we're also compared against our our professional teams that live and exist in each of our markets. Um, and, and I'll say historically, I think the pro teams and their corporate partners have all what I think have done a terrific job in how they leverage IP. And and there's probably some things that we could learn from the professional market. Um, and how how they do go to market on it um but caleb's exactly right the the sponsorship world we live in today and really the instantaneous digital content that can be created can't be understated um yeah. and, but 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 it is a management game for us and, and a prime great example 
we cannot flood our official athletic social media accounts with one corporate IP usage after the other from a posting perspective, or we just turn people off. They just, they ignore us. And, um, you know, that, that is certainly something that we balance and try to manage with our athletics department. And I hear them loud and clear. Um, and again, it's that right balance in the value proposition of having enough in the market to where it is unique, special, and powerful, but then not oversaturating it and devaluing it. Cause it not only devalues it for devalues it for the school itself, but it also devalues it for the corporate partner who, who is buying the distinction uh, in a lot of cases, they're buying the distinction in the category so that their competitor can't have it. Great point. So let me go down another specific point or a specific question. You guys kind of touched on it. When you have a category that can share rights, okay, you have a category out there. And I know there's, I want to, I want to dig into what those are for each of you. And I want, I want, I want you to answer the question this time rather than talking uh, life uh, generalities here. So when you determine a category that can share IP rights, how many categories in your all's world right now, do you guys have where, where you have multiple uh, businesses uh, having IP rights? I, I don't think there's many. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming insurance is one uh, with both y'all, that there are multiple people uh, sharing yeah. IP rights. Uh, any other categories come to mind, Brandon or Caleb? I'll let Caleb go first. Sure. I would. Uh, QSR is one. Um, you know, we can QSR we can work with because we can kind of massage it. We can break it up, whether it's QSR taco, you know, QSR chicken, QSR beef. Um, you know, we can kind of play a little bit in that space. Um, but, but yeah, QSR is one um, where you see a decent amount of this being, being able to be shared back and forth a little bit. Okay, so QSR and insurance. Brandon, anything to add to that? Um, you know, we, our automotive category uh, is certainly heavily populated here. Um, and, and brands that have some brands that have been with us for a long, long time, other brands that have been with us for a shorter amount of time, but all invest at a level where they would have IP usage rights. Um, and I, I tell you what we've done in a lot of those instances is, is we try to separate them based on inventory. So we have certain brands that prefer, that prefer traditional media, whether it be radio, television, then we have other brands that prefer the in-venue signage and exposure. And in a lot of instances, we've been able to create a level of separation there uh, with the partners so that they do have that distinction that they're looking for. Uh, but automobile uh, health insurance um, really is a subdivided category outside of insurance as a whole is another one that's pretty competitive with us. QSR, certainly. Um, but outside of those three, I mean, it's we don't have many other categories where there, we have significant um, population of multiple brands with IP usage. You guys said something both earlier, and I, I wonder some people who are listening that may not be the, the experts that used to are talking about levels of marks. Uh, and, and so I want to dig into that a little bit. So you've got, uh, you have, obviously, as you guys both talked about, you have your official marks, you're the official this, or you are allowed to use um, the, the, the official marks of the school, but you have secondary marks, and in some cases, third tier marks. If you, if you guys could put Put a uh, put a percentage on that. I know it's probably hard, but so if if a hundred thousand, Brandon, I think if you know, I'm not a six figure estimate uh, guy, but I think hundred thousand is where you were headed there. So if a hundred thousand is the number to get to your top end, it, and I know it's hard, category over category. So forgive the generality, but what would be 
maybe the low end that someone could get a third tier mark if you have one or maybe a second tier mark? Yeah, we're, we're in the 30 to 50 range, depending upon the specific conversation, the specific brand that we're having the discussion with, uh, and exactly what they want that usage to be. Um, and, and Paul, you and I have talked about this over the past couple of years. You've had certain brands that have specifically targeted Olympic sports. And when you dive into those kind of sports and sponsorship opportunities around those, they don't command the overall investment dollars that maybe, say, football or basketball does. Uh, but if they want to make a significant play, we want to see our Olympic sports be successful, the brand's good, then, you know, I'm going to be pretty aggressive to try to get them exactly what they're after. And, and secondary marks, whether it's a script Tennessee logo or a script Volunteers logo uh, or even the Vol Network Shield logo, if, if that is the mark that helps satisfy the, the sponsorship agreement and we do it in an investment level that makes sense and it's, it's in some sports where we want to have more brand association, then, then we get more aggressive as far as that's concerned. Is the checkerboard a, a secondary mark or a third mark? It is a secondary. Um, and, and I will tell you, for us, it is all primary and secondary. We, the only thing that I would think that potentially could be classified as, as a third category would be the Vol Network mark, um, which is really unique to the network itself, uh, a little bit different than the school marks. Understood. Okay, so C Caleb knows, and thank you for saying that, Brandon, because you're right. Knox Sports is, we love having clients that don't just need to be on the football train uh, that can actually do deals in other sports. And, and when you do those deals in other sports, you have incredible ability. The schools want to work with you. The teams want to work with you. The schools want that revenue and they do a great job of affording you opportunities that local sponsors can take advantage of. And I, I and so Caleb, you, you, you can answer the question now in terms of, I, I assume that you're probably in the same ballpark. I, you know, in terms of a hundred thousand is probably the minimum you'd ever look at for all the marks and all the things in your world. Maybe it's a higher number or lower number based on category, but if we leave that alone, are you for your secondary marks? And I think even third tier marks, I think you have some marks that are associated just with baseball um, that are probably a little different. So why don't you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, it, it is a great way. Um, I think that Brandon really hit the nail on the head uh, talking about how can we get, a, a hyper local partner engage with us and really feel some ownership and our, our women's sports platforms are great with that it's a very local crowd it's baseball very local crowd um, really engages with that local group and then how can they take in and own something and using a secondary or a third tier mark um, which we actually use a third tier mark we do third tier is just using our font and the go Knowles fsu font and so that gives us a level um, where we can go in and, and really work with a partner to allow them to, of course, pre-approve everything through us, um, but be able to engage their brand directly uh, alongside ours. Um, and, and we can have those different tier levels. Um, you know, we can use the spear. Um, you know, they've got different pieces that we use. And, and we actively use the spear in the marketplace, along with, of course, the Seminole head that every, everybody knows. Um, but we can take those marks and we can work with a partner to make sure that we hit um, you know, the investment levels that we need to function as a business, but at the same time, um, to be able to give them what they need to be able to, to differentiate themselves. Yeah. One of the, I got to change gears a little bit here. One of the weaknesses that, that every school has and deals with is the ambushing and the illegal use of marks uh, in the market, right? I mean, it's just, it, it's just a, a fact of life. And, and the local plumber, 
all of a sudden you're driving down the street and that guy's got a gigantic logo on the side of their truck, you know, and they're calling themselves whatever they're calling themselves. They haven't spent a dime with you in the history of the of, of their plumbing life. They can't even, they didn't even spawn, put a tattoo on their butt crack. Um, and, and even the deli that, that makes, you know, cakes and cookies and uses the logo on those cakes and cookies and people think that's perfectly fine. Well, it's not perfectly fine. That, that, that's the use of the marks. So when they're doing birthday cake for, for little Caleb, you know, when he got his little Auburn cake, um, you know, it, it, that was illegal um, when he bought it from the, 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 he didn't go to Bilo and spend his money. He went somewhere else. So it, it, that's all a part of life. It's just, it is what happens in a local market. I know that they're supposed to be stopped and you guys are going to answer the question as good political soldiers and say, hey, that's our compliance office is supposed to stop that. That's not real though, guys. So tell me some, is, is that, is that still, and especially, boy, Caleb just hit it on the head. I mean, you talk about digital, you know, it, 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 it the, the cake is out of the oven before it's cooked, right? I mean, people put, people are doing illegal things on digital. They've accomplished their goal and then you stop them. Okay. <laughs> you know, so tell me a little bit about that. And, and Brandon, I'll come back to you. Uh, I'm sure that there is almost no illegal use of orange in your market. Never happened. Never will happen. No. Um, Unfortunately, we could spend, Caleb probably agree with this, we could spend 100% of our time policing and protecting the marks that we represent. Um, and digital has been that springboard because it's easy for any business of any kind of any size to post something on social media and potentially utilize uh, our intellectual property from logos to photos to uh, video images, all kinds of those things because it's, it's readily accessible um, and again, we, we could spend all day trying to police that. I think we do as good of a job with the limited resources that we have to do it. Um, but there are certainly instances where I would call it multiple offense offenders, people that do it on a consistent basis. Those are the ones that catch our attention that we try, we try to get shut down, um, and, and especially ones that are competing in a category where we already have a partner, um, because that can create some real heartburn uh, with a current partner. Um, you know, some, sometimes people do things in a one-off basis, and uh, it's, it's more of a volume issue for us than anything else. Just there's not enough time in the day to protect every single asset we have across all of the media platforms that are out there. Um, but, but it is definitely a problem. So Brandon, you, you had that multiple offender and, and you send the cease and desist letter and that doesn't work. What's yeah. next? Um, you get a cease and desist letter in our case from our licensing office. And then if we have to go to the next step, you'll hear from the university's attorneys. And, and have you um, seen one play out? Have you seen it like they come after them and... I, Yes, I, I've seen that play out um, where where they call our bluff, in essence. And uh, in that case, um, we got into a long discussion specifically with one, one account, one local business in Knoxville who deemed the exterior of our stadium as public domain so that they could use it in any form of marketing that they wanted to. What ultimately got it stopped was the imagery that they were using of our exterior of the stadium had our official power team mark included in the photo. So that IP alone within the exterior of the stadium is ultimately got what it got shut down by. Um, but most people, I'll say 90% of the people 
usually will apologize and and they'll follow they'll heed the warning and they'll they'll typically take it down it's it's rare that it goes to those kinds of extremes all right caleb tell me in your experience what's going on there okay so i think from our end you know the first thing i want to say is our licensing group that we have does a phenomenal job with this our legal counsel helps us a lot we stay very close and and work through these things together um you know we have had cases since i've been here um, but we've been really on top of it um, you know, I think the biggest thing that that we have to focus on um, is is really making sure to a protect our partners. Um, but then the second piece is, is, you know, a lot of times folks don't know what IP is. And that's one of the biggest things that half the time they don't even know they're using. It. Um, you know, some marketers are very smart. They know exactly what they're doing. Others think that it's it's a public domain. And so it actually gives us an opportunity uh, to then go to our sales team and say, hey, why don't we give these folks a call? They obviously have interest in Florida State. They obviously see some value in working with our brand. Maybe we should give them a call and see if they might want to buy something from us. So well, that was my last question, Caleb. You stole it. Things. I was going to say, has that worked? Right, <laughs> Caleb? I, 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 I literally, that was what I wrote down. I was like, hey, has that ever turned into a sale? Yes, it has. And so, you know, being in a few different places and, and Brandon, I'm sure you've had some too. Um, but a lot of times, you know, more times than not, they don't realize they violated anything. Um, like I said, there are some very smart guerrilla marketers out there that we got to keep a thumb on um, or some licensees that try to give us some problems. Um, but a lot of times they just don't realize that, you know, Gold Knowles is actually a, a trademark phrase. They don't realize that using a picture of a player in an ad is something they cannot do. Um, and so if you approach that in the right way to say, hey, you're obviously interested um, and, and find value in Florida State Athletics and connecting with our fans, why don't we help you do it the right way? Um, they've definitely had some success stories come out of that. See, he's a better policeman than you are, Brandon. He sounded very nice when he was trying to go to these people. You sound like you go there like the Gestapo. <laughs> oh, I was, I was going to chime in and say we've had instances where we've educated someone and they've actually become a client. So, uh, in fact, it's happening in the NIL world right now, uh, sure. with, with companies that we've not worked with historically that, that want to have a larger relationship and the NIL springboard to the conversation. No, you're exactly right. That, that is something that we'll probably deal with in, you know, three to six months is the companies that for whatever reason did not, did not go about it, the traditional sponsorship route, and then felt enamored with, the. Uh, uh, with a player and, and decided to go that route. And now that's their entry and they understand the power of sports and they, they come on, they come into the club, man. That's, that's the best part of it. So, all right, well, we have, uh, we've taken up a lot of time. So thank you, Mr. Caleb Swan for being awesome. And thank you to the rest of our listeners for downloading us. Please rate us with your maximum stars on your platform and then join us in two weeks for another special guest. So on behalf of Brandon Parks, I am Paul Sickman from Knox Sports. Thank you for listening to another edition of Knox Talk.